your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain, so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is Friday, April 8th, 2022. We are only seven days away from Good Friday. Praise be to God. About eight and change from Easter Sunday morning. I mean, just imagine. It's going to be great. Praise be to God. And your weekend has arrived. So lots to give God praise for today. We are going to have a great show. In fact, uh, we have a returning guest today. Joe Comaldi, National Vice President of Fraternal Order of Police, is going to join us I've been seeing so many stories in the news about crime, you know, whether it's, you know, Walgreens or whatever, people walking into stores with garbage bags, you know, mob theft or violence, people dragging people out of cars, those those kinds of things. And I wondered, is this just media manipulation showing us the 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 worst of the worst just to grab our attention spans or is there an actual crisis and Joe Gamaldi, National VP of Fraternal Order of Police, is going to be on our program at 35 past the hour to, to answer that question. Are we, as a society, devolving into Gotham City? Is that what we have to look forward to? Joe Gamaldi will answer that. There are tons of stories in the news. Praise be to God. There's so much to cover today. But there is one uh, interesting story that I think I, I missed. I found it just recently. Back in March, there was a discovery on Mount Ebal in Israel, the very location where Joshua set up an altar to give sacrifice to God in thanksgiving of entering the Holy Land. Well, they found a tiny little scroll there. It's like a tablet that got folded over, and it's now the oldest copy of Hebrew, pre-Hebrew writing known to man, and it's a curse tablet, which is fascinating, because you might remember Joshua saying, well, you can do what you want, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Exactly, he said it exactly like that. Just trust me on that. Uh, <laughs> this is a curse tablet. Very fascinating. So we might cover a little bit of that, and we might ask the question as Kennedy Hall has done in Crisis Magazine: uh, Are we red pilling too much? That all coming up at fifteen past the hour. Speaking of red pills, uh, Rudy Carlos, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. You know, one day I went into the uh, the cabinet in the in the kitchen, and I mm-hmm. took out mm-hmm. all of those red pills. Ooh, yes, took uh-huh. them all and. Yeah. I guess I'm red pill. All at one time? All at one time. <laughs> Dangerous. Is that the doctor's <laughs> recommendation? No, don't do that. No, don't do that. Please don't do that. Whatever you do, don't, don't take that many <laughs> red pills all at the same time. Speaking of that, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. It is a Friday. I'm so excited. It is a it is a great day to be alive. You know, the st- sun's still shining when I open my eyes. It's a warm day in the neighborhood. Why can every day be this? I don't know. Uh, it was freezing this morning. <laughs> it was like 51 degrees. I had to go back in and get my winter coat. My it was pretty scarf, cold. It was kind of weird. Gloves. Like I, I started a fire in the Tahoe just to keep warm. So <laughs> wow, cold you do know your your Tahoe has a heater, right? Oh, you don't have to it? burn it. Huh. My bad. To uh, oh, well. keep warm. <laughs> well, how much carbon emissions did you put out today? Hey, listen, don't go there, okay? Don't go there. <laughs> it is going to be a fun day. We are going to have uh, we're going to have a great show. In the second hour, of course, we play our game Fear and Trembling, which means today it's Friday, and we give out the prizes today. So if you would like to win some prizes, well, your last three chances to get in on that will be in the next hour. For those of you that can join us, you're all able to join us on our website if you'd like. 
Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Hey, can I thank Tim Hennevan and Dave Palmer and Mary Halbleib? Uh, thank you guys for joining us today in our fasting campaign, our prayer fasting of penance and reparation for ardent sinners, heretics, and blasphemers, and peace in our world. Tim, Dave, and Mary, God love you for doing that today. I'm so very grateful to you. Uh, big, you, Russia got kicked off of the Human Rights Council last night. That was kind of an interesting turn of events. Did you see that, Rudy? I did see that. Uh, I didn't include it in our reports today because, well... The good news does is, that mean though, anything? The good news is right after they were voted off, they did resign. Oh, so they were already they were on the way out. <laughs> you can't fire me. <laughs> I quit. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yikes! Who knows what's going on anymore in these in this world? Right. <laughs> All right. Let's jump in. We are going to pray our uh, golden arrow prayer for our campaign, and hopefully you'll join us. Which again, we are down to just a week now. It's going to be so very exciting to enjoy uh, Passion Week next week. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar, amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your breaking news, Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Friday, April 8th, and these are your headlines. The Blaze reports Senate confirms Kentanji Brown Jackson to Supreme Court, 53 to 47. The Senate confirmed Jackson to the Supreme Court in a vote of 53 to 47, with three Republican senators voting with every Democrat in the majority. Those Republican senators are Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski. They all supported Jackson's confirmation, each saying that, while they may not agree with every opinion she makes, they were confident that she was well-qualified for the court. And Breitbart reports, Governor Abbott, Texas military to begin mass migration response drills. Texas Governor Greg Abbott ordered the Texas military department to begin mass migration response rehearsals along the state's border with Mexico. The order is in response to the Biden administration's plans to cancel the Title 42 Coronavirus Protection Protocol, which is expected to drive the already record-setting number of 8,000 migrants to more than 18,000 a day, according to a federal estimate. Epic Times reports lithium prices skyrocket. Electric vehicles may soon follow. Lithium scarcity and high price has the potential to put the brakes on electric vehicles. And a lithium index reveals a 488% yearly jump in prices from March 2021. The Washington Examiner reports California lawmakers bow to to backlash and delete bill taxing big oil. Democrats were accused of hijacking a Republican bill last week that gutted language implemented implementing a six-month break on the state's 51-cent gas tax. Instead, verbiage was inserted that tax oil companies on profits above 30 cents per gallon. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Julie Billard. She was born on July 12, 1751, born in Souville, France, into a family of well-to-do farmers. Young Maria Rosa Julie Villar showed an early interest in religion and helping the sick and the poor. Though the first years of her life were relatively peaceful and uncomplicated, Julie had to take up manual work as a young teen when her family lost its money. However, she spends her time teaching catechism to young people and to the farm laborers. 
A mysterious illness overtook her when she was about 30. Witnessing an attempt to wound or even kill her father, Julie was paralyzed and became a complete invalid. For the next two decades, she continued to teach catechism lessons from her bed, offered spiritual advice, and attracted visitors who had heard of her holiness. When the French Revolution broke out in 1789, revolutionary forces became aware of her allegiance to fugitive priests. With the help of friends, she smuggled out of Seville in a hay cart. She then spent several years hiding in Compiègne, being moved from house to house despite her growing physical pain. She even lost the power of speech for a time. But this period also proved to be fruitful spiritual time for Julie. It was at this time that she had a vision in which she saw Calvary, surrounded by women in religious habits, and heard a voice saying, Behold these spiritual daughters whom I give you, an institute marked by the cross. As time passed and Julie continued her mobile life, she made the acquaintance of an aristocratic woman, Francois Blin de Bourbon, who shared Julie's interest in teaching the faith. In 1803, the two women began the Institute of Notre Dame, which was dedicated to the education of the poor young Christian girls and the training of catechists. The following year, the first sisters of Notre Dame made their vows. That was the same year that Julie recovered from her illness. She was able to walk for the first time in 22 years. Though Julie had always been attentive to the special needs of the poor, and that always remained her priority. She also became aware that other classes in society needed Christian instruction. From the founding of the Sisters of Notre Dame until her death, Julie was on the road, opening a variety of schools in France and Belgium that served the poor and the wealthy vocational groups and teachers. Ultimately, Julie and Francois moved to their mother house of Namar in Belgium. Julie died there on April 8, 1816 and was canonized in 1969. St. Julie Bellar... Pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 10, verses 31 through 42. The Jews picked up rocks to stone Jesus. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from my Father. For which of these are you trying to stone me? The Jews answered him, We are not stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy. You, a man, are making yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If it calls them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, can you say that the one whom the Father has consecrated and sent into the world blasphemes because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not perform my Father's works, do not believe me. But if I perform them, even if you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may realize and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Then they tried again to arrest him, but he escaped from their power. He went back across the Jordan to the place where John first baptized, and there he remained. Many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but everything John said about this man was true. And many there began to believe in him, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Alcuin said, healing of the sick, teaching miracles, he showed them of the Father, because he sought his Father's glory 
in all of them. From which of these works do ye stone me? They confess, though reluctantly, the benefit that they have received from him, but charge him at the same time with blasphemy for asserting his equality with the Father. For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God, close quote, Alcuin. Well, look at that. Isn't that interesting? We want all the bennies of this relationship with the Lord. We want the good things. We want him to save us from trouble. We want him to keep us away from bad stuff. We don't want anything bad to happen to us. We want to be happy, healthy. We want to be uh, rich and happy-go-lucky, good food in our belly. You know, we want all those good things in life, but we don't want him to be God. We don't want him to be the Lord of our lives. We want to separate the benefits from the reality and the consequences of that reality in our life. Because if he is, in fact, God, then that will have lasting ramifications on how we choose to live our life, wouldn't it? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Hillary said, quote, before proving that he and his father are one, he answers the absurd and foolish charge brought against him, that he, being man, made himself God. He goes on to say, the law called those who were mere men gods, and if any man could bear the name religiously and without arrogance, surely that man could, who was sanctified by the Father in a sense in which none else is sanctified to the sonship. Yeah, close quote, Hillary. What are we talking about when we say call themselves God in Scripture? Well, Ignatius Catholic Commentary points out a citation from Psalm 82.6. The psalm is a prayer for Yahweh to punish the corrupt shepherds of Israel. These leaders who are charged with teaching and enforcing divine law are called gods by the psalmist because of the divine authority they wield over the people. The abuse of this power makes their corruption all the more insidious. Jesus reasons that if sinful authorities are given divine title because of their duties, how much more is he entitled to it who is guiltless and who speaks the words of God? That is from Ignatius Catholic Commentary today. Let that sink in. How many scandals have we seen from the highest levels of the church today? They have office, they have authority, they have duties, and that gives them these wonderful titles. But with that title comes a great and heavy burden. And no one escapes justice. Not you, not me, and not the guy wearing the miter or the pallium or worse, right? We all will face that when the day comes. Let us be prepared for it by living in a state of grace. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. The 40 days of Lent remind us of when Jesus himself fasted and was tempted in the desert. In the Bible, 40 symbolizes a time of struggle, purification, and rebirth. 40 weeks is the time it takes a child to be developed in their mother's womb. Noah, in the ark, watched it rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and then the people of God were reborn after the flood. Moses went up Mount Sinai for 40 days to receive the commandments and the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years to find the promised land. Jesus enters the wilderness for 40 days filled with the Holy Spirit. There, the devil tries to tempt Jesus with the same things the Israelites struggled with in the desert, hunger, doubt, and obedience. But Jesus rebukes him, each time with quotes from the Old Testament. Let us seek a time of rebirth and purification these 40 days of Lent. 
This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you, praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, National Vice President of the Fraternal Order of Police will join us, Joe Gamaldi, to talk about the rising crime across our country. Are we being manipulated by the media? What are the actual facts uh, on the ground when it comes to crime? Are we devolving into Gotham City? Is that what we have to look forward to? All of that coming up at 35 past the hour. But there are, as I say, Lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you. But here's a a commentary from Crisis Magazine that I I felt was important because as we go through all of these stories, uh, you know, there's a recurring theme, and I think there can be a a line of danger here. And Kennedy Hall, who's been on our program uh, several times in the past, has written this commentary over on Crisis Magazine. The headline goes, too many red pills can be bad for your health. And let's get into this a little bit. It says, uh, by now, I would imagine most, if not all of us, have heard the term red pill. If you haven't, it is a term derived from a scene in the movie The Matrix, wherein the protagonist, Neo, has the option of taking one of two pills. He can take a blue pill, and his life will go back to the way things were before he began to wake up to the inconsistencies in The Matrix. Or he can take the red pill and fully detach from the lies he has lived under. He is given a warning, however. If he does take the red pill, his life will never be the same again. There is no going back after the red pill. All of us have had red pill moments, whether in the church or in the secular world. COVID was a red pill for a lot of people regarding the role of government in their lives. And the recent attacks on the traditional mass have red pilled more than a few who have, who have held on to the rosy idea of the hermeneutic of continuity. Everyone has had a different journey. And the moments that red pill us out of our adherence to lies and partial truths are unique to our situation. Now, the thing about the red pill is that they, are, they can be dangerous. There is an exhilarating feeling you get when you take that first pill. When you wake up to something you have been asleep on, you are immediately invigorated and motivated to live in the new truth you have discovered. This is a good thing until it isn't. What I mean to say is that there is a point when you can take too many red pills and by doing so, the red pills stop doing what red pills are supposed to do. The purpose of the red pill is to get you out of the matrix, which is to say out of the world of lies and partial truths. However, if you have been liberated from the lies that you believed before, there is a temptation then uh, to distrust everything that your senses and lived experiences tell you. This poses a danger because we can go from a mere liberation from untruth to a complete distrust of all things 
that are present that are presented as truth. And I think this is the heart of this this uh, commentary from Kennedy Hall. And I'm totally on board with this. It's now, Rudy, how many times have you and I discussed this? We are looking at national stories and we're like, mm. what do we believe? Do we, is this believable? <laughs> is that real? Is this not believable? <laughs> and we're sitting here questioning almost everything. And it's like at some point you're just you're just exhausted by the whole process. Now, let me add another pill to the spectrum. Oh, here. great. Thanks. Because what happens when you take too many red pills, Joe? You tell me. You become black-pilled. And that's yeah. the that's really what he's describing here is you can't trust anything. And and really you should have a skept, a healthy skepticism about everything, but when you get to a point where you're just trying to to discover all the truth because truth isn't, you know, really present these days, it's it's you know, hidden under a bushel basket, then you have this tendency to look everywhere. You're looking after under every stone, you know, yeah. and trying to find a scroll, but you're yeah. not going to find a scroll there. But <laughs> you're going to you're going to find really that you're just not trusting anything and you're just despairing in almost everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, just look at the Ukraine Russia story. I've right. been I've been a good uh, example. going through vlogs. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at who's vlogging, who's saying what, independent reporters, national stories. I'm looking at three dozen different resources to kind of wrap my head about around what is actually going on there. And it's, and you just get lost in this. And at some point you realize you're never going to get that time back. Right. <laughs> you know, it's gone <laughs> like poof. See you later. Goodbye. And uh, so there's a balance here. I think Kennedy Hall is trying to get to, and I, I agree with him. I think we do have to have balance. There's only I, so many people. I don't know if you probably met a lot of people in your life that I've, run into and they're like i don't watch the news anymore mm -hmm. i don't even want to know the news i was talking to a friend the other day and he's like yeah i gave up on the news after the election i'm done I, you know i'll I, I just gonna live in a state of grace try to get my my family to heaven do my job that's it that's all i'm doing i'm not even gonna pay attention anymore I, that's a good thing to an extent to to an extent yes because yep. you're gonna live in greater peace by mm -hmm. not being involved in the, the scandals and the and the craziness of our world but at the same time, I kind of feel like it's it's also an extreme, isn't it? I think so too, and especially when it comes to to the faith. You know, we 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 joke around sometimes about the certain things that have happened in the church and the history of the church, and we we think, oh, well, is you know Pope Benedict still the Pope? Or Pope Benedict? Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> a, whoops, Freud like, and slip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's things like that where where it seeps into our our spiritual life and really is it's a distraction. Paul Wasik in the chat just said, "Too many red pills is chasing our tails." That's exactly what it is. We 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 instead of using the time that we have every single day to work out our salvation and with fear and trembling, we use it instead to think about all kinds of different ways in which the truth is is bent yeah. or possibly bent. Yeah. Um, it's I, not, not a good use of our time. Exactly. Uh, Kennedy Hall goes on to say here in this article, another example, we might see through an unhealthy ultramonetism or papalism in the church in recent decades, but then we go one step further and begin to doubt the papacy as a whole falling into the new matrix of Sedevacantism, an ecclesial view based on partial, even if convincing, truths that require speculation about things we simply cannot know. Like many things in life, moderation is paramount, and this applies to red pills. There is a virtual infinity of things that we could spend our time trying to be red-pilled on, and in the end, we will have wasted our time. We spend the whole time uh, 
tearing things down and disbelieving things so that we leave little room to, to build things up and to believe in real things. I dare not group in all our alternative sources of information as conspiracy. But it must be said that there is a tendency in the world of continual red pilling to become a bit negative or even to despair about the state of things. It is one thing to see the truth and live in the truth. It is another to spend all your time debunking everything you see to the point where you see nothing good at all. This is not to say that a good red pilling is not necessary here and there. It surely is. But too many red pills might be bad for your health. Wow. He says the remedy to this, of course, is to contemplate the truth we know to be real. Jesus Christ. If we keep our eyes on him, we will not be fooled anymore. Kennedy Hall from Crisis Magazine. I think it's very good advice. I find that uh, to be very true. There is a balance here to, to find, and we can't go off the deep end. And I think ultimately, when we do, we find ourselves more bitter, right? Yeah. Not joyful. We find ourselves more bitter. So, it's it's a balancing act. I don't think you can go to. I don't think you should go the other extreme and not do any. You know, not to, like seeking truth or understanding right. around you. I think that's that's a bad advice too. But to the other extreme, as Kennedy's pointing out, not yeah. good. So don't bury your head in the sand. But don't also... do that. Speaking of red pilling, guess what? Uh, Bryce Sokolowski over at CatholicFundraiser.net did some red pilling on me. Well, actually, I I, saw, I already knew this, but. Uh, he says, is Facebook censoring Catholics? Yes. Hmm. All right, next story. Uh, what else is there to say? Um, this has been a case for a while, but he says recently, you know, a lot of Catholic organizations are using Facebook marketing to run ads in order to reach an audience. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is uh, fa- social media platforms are pay-to-play p- platforms. Oh, yeah. If you want to have access to the audience – you got to pull out a credit card, and you got to go to town. There are some exceptions to this. There are viral videos, viral channels, you know, things like that that blow up naturally, organically, and those platforms will push those channels onto their users because ultimately they can run ads on that content and they get a benefit out of it. But for the vast majority of people leveraging social media to reach the world to to, to share the good, the true, and the beautiful, it is generally a pay-to-play platform. You got to pull out your credit card. Well, Facebook. And I've had I've run lots of ads on Facebook in the past, and I've had lots of trouble doing it as well. And uh, recently, they have decided they are going to stop allowing organizations like us or others to run ads and specifically target people based on their religious views. So mm. let me give you an example. If I wanted, for instance, to run an ad to people who love Pope Francis, who 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 adore Pope Francis, or Mother Angelica, or St. Teresa of Calcutta, or anything like that whatsoever. I only want to talk to those people. I want to show them a video, a piece of content we did just on this subject that we know that they're going to love. It's a great fit for them. It's a great fit for us. Okay, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Seems like no big no big deal. Well, they're like, no, you can't do that anymore. Hmm. Sorry, you're not allowed to hyper-target that group of people on their platform any longer. So I, I find that very interesting. Now, there's ways around it. But at the same time, like I don't understand why you would want you wouldn't want organizations to put content in front of a hyper set, uh, hyper targeted group of people that would love that content. It's not harassing them with ads. It's actually getting in front of the right people. It's a better fit for everybody. But they're getting rid of that. So there's your red pill moment. 
Kennedy Hall. <laughs> Enjoy that. And then, uh, of course, I, I mentioned this story at the top of the hour. I found this very fascinating. I, I discovered this the other day. And, and this is an organization that's literally just down the street from us. Um, this is a, a, a Protestant organization that has gone to do some excavations in Israel. But they discovered this cursed tablet, and they discovered it on Mount Ebal. And it's fascinating because uh, this is really rocking the world. I mean, I've seen a couple of videos of uh, archaeologists discussing this, and they're like, this is a 10 out of 10 when it comes to archaeological finds. It's a small, tiny little uh, tablet folded over and found at the dig site where Joshua set up an altar to offer sacrifice to God in thanksgiving of entering into the promised land from their exodus out of Egypt. So this is fascinating stuff. It now is the oldest record of a pre-Hebrew language in Hmm. existence right now. And here's what the tablet says. Cursed, 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 cursed by the God Yahweh. You will die cursed. Cursed, you will surely die. Cursed by Yahweh. Cursed, cursed, cursed. That is the entire statement of this uh, this tablet. Yahweh, for it's the oldest reference, I think, to Yahweh, actually, now in existence. It's fascinating uh, to be found there. And here's the kicker of the story. This tablet was found in the refuse pile. They sifted the pile. They When they were excavating the the location, they took all the dirt and everything, put it into a pile on the side, and then they uh, they just left it over there. Well, this group went over there, and they scoured the refuse pile, and then they found this. Remember Joshua's words, for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. You've got to make your choice. Do you want the covenant blessings or the covenant curses? Your choice. This tablet confirms that. Hey, we'll be right back. Breaking news and stories and crime is coming up next. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. During the 40 days that Jesus spent fasting in the desert, the first temptation he experienced from the devil was that of hunger. The devil said, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus responds by quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. God let the Israelites be afflicted with hunger in the desert, but then fed them with manna, a food unknown to them, that prefigured the Eucharist, so that they might know that it is not by bread alone that people live, but by faith. If we put our faith first, God will provide for our needs. Keep this in mind as we fast and abstain each Friday this Lent. If you already give up meat on Fridays, give up something else to bring you a little hunger. For fasting purifies the soul. It shifts our priorities to God and lets Him provide for us. This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. Good morning. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. Breitbart reports crime jumps 36.5% in New York City as bail laws shape gubernatorial race. Overall index crime in New York City jumped a staggering 36.5% last month compared to March of 2021. 
as a state soft on crime bail laws begin to shape the 2022 gubernatorial race. Daily Wire reports, couple sues fertility clinic after aborting six-month-old unborn baby they say wasn't genetically theirs. A Massachusetts couple identified as John and Jane Doe is suing New York City Fertility Institute for accidentally implanting the wrong embryo, which they claim led them to abort the six-month-old baby days before it would have been illegal to do so. The couple was apparently pregnant with the baby girl after multiple attempts to conceive via IVF. The Hill reports federal appeals court upholds Biden administration vaccine mandate for federal workers. The court ruled to uphold the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for federal workers, ordering that a preliminary injunction issued against the requirement be eliminated. And the Daily Caller reports, Wind Energy Company fined $8 million for killing 150 eagles. A wind energy company was fined more than $8 million for killing 150 bald eagles in eight different states over the last decade. The Green Energy Company pleaded guilty to violating the Migratory Migratory Bird Treaty Act on Tuesday in a Wyoming federal court. The uh, birds would fly into the wind turbines. That's how they uh, were dispatched. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. I was just reading in a uh, a Just the News article this morning, Americans' concern about crime and violence in the U.S. has edged up in the past year. And for the first time since 2016, a majority, 53 percent, say they personally worry a great deal about crime, according to the Gallup poll. Another 27 percent report say they worry a fair amount, which places the issue near the top of the list of 14 national concerns behind only inflation and the economy and on par with hunger and homelessness. Joining us to discuss this right now is the National Vice President of the Fraternal Order of Police, Joe Gomaldi. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on. Praise be to God. We're glad you're here. Um, thank you for your, your service, by the way. Um, let me ask you, I, I think a lot of people are growing greatly in concern, but one of the things uh, that I am interested to know from your perspective is, I wonder how much media manipulation there is, because I... I Got to tell you, I see all of these crazy videos of crime, either theft at stores or people tearing people out of cars and then beating them or just just random acts of violence. Are we headed towards Gotham City? What say you, Joe Gamaldi? Well, I will say this. You know, normally I would say the media is just, you know, ginning things up and making a bigger deal out of crime, but the statistics back it up. So although you're seeing it every single day on the news and whether it's, you know, them loading up trash bags full of, uh, you know, products at Walgreens or looting a Louis Vuitton store, the reality is that America is an infinitely more dangerous place than it was just a few years ago. And, And let me just give you a little bit of statistics on this. Last year, we had 16 American cities experience their highest murder rate in their recorded history. Philadelphia, Indianapolis. Albuquerque, Austin, Portland, just to name a few, had more murders last year than they'd ever seen in their entire history. As a nation, 2021 was the highest murder rate we'd seen in 25 years. Now, Now, that's just what we're seeing in our communities. What's happening to our police officers? We had 346 police officers shot last year. That is a record number since we started tracking this data about seven years ago. This year alone, we've already had over 100 police officers shot. We're outpacing last year's historic numbers by 40 percent. 
So although you may see, you know, all of these crimes appearing on social media and say, well, maybe this is just people sharing this. Maybe this is a, a 2021 problem that we're seeing so much of this. But no, this is what's going on in America right now. And we all need to take notice of just how violent our country has become. You know, typically, Mr. Gamaldi, uh, crime spikes, you know, there's there's some uh, research that has been done that crime spikes whenever there's a heat wave or in the summertime and that sort of thing. But now it just seems it happens all the time. And one of the theories that people have is that uh, the, the so-called bail reform is making it so that people are encouraged to commit crime because they don't, you know, they're not going to really face any sort of uh, repercussions for their actions. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I really don't have any other better way to put it than when I tell folks that there's been a toxic cocktail that has been shoved down the throats of law-abiding Americans, and part of it is bail reform. We are seeing people out on multiple felony bonds, not, not one or two, seven or eight aggravated robberies. They continue to give them uh, PR bonds, which is just a pinky promise to show up to court, and they continue to reoffend. You combine that with rogue prosecutors who consistently cut sweetheart deals for these violent criminals or don't even prosecute the crimes at all. And, and, and then you have the continued demonization of law enforcement. When you put all of those things together, it doesn't take a genius to figure out how we've arrived at this situation. And I mean, the American police officer delivered historic crime reductions in the 20 years prior to this crime spike. And we did it because we enforced the laws that we had on the books. We vehemently prosecuted violent criminals and we held people accountable for their actions. And that is something that we have truly lost in our society where no one wants to uh, no one wants to take any blame for anything anymore. Is it a case where we're seeing the rise in crime, obviously, in heavy populated uh, city centers? But what about what about in the Midwest? What about in the uh, the flyover states? What about in those communities that have a lot less population? Uh, how do they factor in, in all of this? I know they're probably going to be less on average, but are they, too, seeing rises uh, in crime? Well, they are certainly less. We're not seeing the same drastic rises in those areas as we're seeing in our urban communities. And I think the reason why is there's still prosecutors and there's still judges in those areas who believe in the rule of law, who are saying, if you do something wrong, you have to be held accountable. And I, I just don't understand how we can continue to move forward in a society, especially in our urban communities, where there's no consequences for your actions because you are teaching an entire generation of people that you can do whatever you want and you won't be held accountable. So it's not a surprise when they then increase from, let's say they, they started at shoplifting. Well, we didn't stop them then, so now they're going to move on to assault. Well, we didn't stop them then, so now I'm going to start robbing people. How does this work for police officers? I mean, I know a couple of police officers very well, and uh, they, their morale always seems good. But what is the morale of police officers around the country? You know, I don't have any other better way to put it. We, I've been a police officer for 17 years. I have never seen morale as bad as it is right now. And, and you know, I don't want your listeners to think that police officers aren't going to go out there and do their job. I mean, the brave men and women of law enforcement, we're going to put on that uniform, and I, and I still go out on the street. I'm a night shift patrol sergeant. We're still going to go out on the street. We're still going to catch the bad guys. We're still going to make a difference in our communities. But it's extremely demoralizing when we are risking our lives or risking our health to go out there and catch these criminals, to see them already out before the ink is dry on the paperwork. And you think I'm exaggerating, but I assure you I am not. 
We will catch people for robbery. They will be laughing at us in the back seat, knowing that we're going to transport them down to the jail and they're going to be out within hours. There's an article this morning I saw. It says headline says Los Angeles mayoral candidate wants to abolish the police because resourced, healthy communities don't need police. This was a phenomenon that broke out in 2020 with the uh, the riots and whatnot. Uh, what level of insanity would it need to be in order for people to say we don't need police and yet crime is rising? Yeah, well, that, that's a complete fantasy land. And, and frankly, thinking like that is extremely ignorant and extremely dangerous. And, you know, another thing, it's not supported by any polls whatsoever. A, a recent poll actually says that our black and brown communities in urban communities, 75 percent of black Americans want more police officers in their neighborhoods. Seventy nine percent of Hispanic Americans want more police officers in their neighborhood. It actually outpaced white Americans and how many police officers they want in their neighborhood. So this narrative, it's not based in any kind of fact whatsoever. It's only ideology. And, and the fact of the matter is there are folks who are willing to put their ideology over other people's safety. I don't know how any sane person could look at the murder numbers. And, and if we're just specifically talking about L.A., their murder rate was up over 40 percent last year. So how could you, with a straight face, say you care about the people in those communities while also calling to abolish the police? It is a complete joke. Yeah. I mean, the uh, the other article of Just the News said the FBI claimed in 2020 there were an estimated 1.2 plus million violent crimes just in the year 2020. And uh, that's an amazing number, if you think about it, uh, with only 300 plus million people living in the United States. That's a third of uh, of our populace having to endure a violent crime. That is kind of a staggering thing. And we're up against a break here in about a minute from now. But I, I, at the other side of the break, I want to ask you, is it even possible to to scale scale this back, to come back from the brink? But I think with with the police being at the mo- lowest moral uh, you know, level of years, are we seeing a mass exodus? Are people retiring? Are they walking off? Are they sticking out still? Or is that phenomenon passed since 2020? Retirements are up 45% nationwide. Resignations are up 20%. And our recruitment is completely tanking. Chicago saw an 83% reduction in applications. In New Jersey, they saw a 90% reduction in applications. And a recent study out of Colorado said 70% of agencies can't find anyone to take the job. Wow. That's not a good recipe for putting back safety into our communities. Hold that thought. National Vice President of the Fraternal Order of Police, Joe Gamaldi, is our guest. After this break, we're going to conversate about this more. Very difficult subject. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. Think of that person in your life that you have a hard time reconciling with. If he or she doesn't immediately come to your mind, ask your guardian angel to help you discern who that person might be. Pray for that person every day through the rest of Lent, even if you can't stand them. What good is it to fast and obey every discipline of Lent, but still end up after 40 days not reconciled with each other? The Lord's Prayer is an important prayer to revisit on a deeper level during Lent. We pray, give us this day our daily bread as we forgive those who trespass against us. We must rely on God for all things and be reconciled with Him, but we must also become reconciled with each other. This is Matt Maloney 
for knowthefaith.net. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you, praise be to God. We're talking with Joe Gamaldi. He is the National Vice President of the Fraternal Order of Police. We're talking about the rising crime. And I got to tell you, Joe, welcome back to the show. As a dad, as a husband, boy, it's, it's nothing stops me in my tracks like crime stories, like uh, violent crime or uh, home invasion stories, like as a dad, I'm thinking, oh, I got to be ready. I got to be. I got to put my game face on here. I got to yeah. protect my family. And we're seeing this rise in crime here, and it is very concerning to most Americans. And right before the break, you really broke my heart when you said uh, everything is looking not so great when it comes to police officer retirements and and uh, officers leaving the job. How do we turn this around? What say you, Officer Joe Gamaldi? Well, you know, I wanted to touch on one thing you said before the break, because I think sometimes it gets lost when we talk about all these statistics on murders. And you mentioned that, you know, there'd been a million violent crimes that had taken place. I think it's important just to remind your listeners, all those statistics I talk about, all those million crimes, those are people. Those are fathers, sons, mothers, daughters who have now been, you know, victims of crime, who've been traumatized for their whole lives because of it. Or, or these murders that occur, every one of those statistics is a person. And, and it's so easily forgotten when we just quote these statistics. So I just want to remind folks that these are people who are impacted for the rest of their lives, which is why we need to take law and order very, very seriously in this country, because I don't think enough people understand just how bad it is. And when you ask, how do we turn it around? We've done it before. We can do it again. We have to embrace the rule of law vehemently prosecute violent crime and we need to embrace broken windows theories in our urban communities and we need to support law enforcement if we do all of these things we can start getting things back on track if people who are interested in a life of service see that people are supporting law enforcement they will be more willing to take this job and serve their community because the most qualified candidates right now they're not stupid people. They look and see what's going on and what's happening to law enforcement, that we're being denigrated, that we're being demonized, that we're being shot at historic rates, and they're voting with their feet and they're taking other jobs. So the only solution for leaders in urban communities who can't fill these positions is to reduce services to the community and to lower standards of the people that they're hiring. And we're already seeing this happen. And when you reduce standards and when you reduce services, you're going to exacerbate the problem of us trying to build trust with our community. I mean, it's it's maddening to me because I love this profession so much and I love our police officers across this country. But the way we've been treated for the better part of a decade is really a stain on our society. Let me play devil's advocate just one second. I think it's fair and it would be good to get your response to this. There are many people in our country today that would say, but Officer Gamaldi, so many police officers have done bad things. 
They have been abusive. They have overstepped their authority. They have overstepped their bounds. Uh, bad things have happened. Uh, violent violence from police officers. How would you respond to that? You know what I would say is that there is a very small percentage of the 800,000 police officers across this country that are staying on this badge. We hate bad cops just more than you do because they give us all a bad name. But there are bad people in every profession in this country, every single profession that you look at. But the difference is when someone messes up in another profession, it's not front page news. It's not a viral video. I mean, it, just, just to give you a perspective, there were over 250,000 people that died as a result of malpractice from doctors last year. But we don't start telling people that doctors are murderers and that you shouldn't go to a doctor's appointment. Of course not. But yet we get treated that way. Or if you see a story about a teacher who does something wrong to a student, do we tell people stop sending your kids to schools? Of course not. But anytime a police officer does something wrong and, and whether and sometimes the officer didn't even do anything wrong whatsoever, mm. but it's still a viral video and the media comes after us like bloodthirsty hounds. You can understand how our reputation can be impacted as a result of that. How do you rebuild trust in communities where they They've had some history between police officers and the community of mis, you know, violence or overstepping bounds or what have you. How do you how do you repair that relationship? Well, I think you have to make sure that you are building bridges wherever there is an opportunity to do so. A lot of the work we do is through churches, making sure that we're making a connection on a spiritual level and, and not just, you know, person to person. But I think another important part of this is as we talked about how understaffed police departments are, at a very foundation, we need to provide the services that the community expects from us. And when you have uh, municipalities and counties that have underfunded their police departments or not hired the amount of officers needed, you are eroding the trust because let me just give you a scenario. If someone has their house burglarized, it may be the worst day of their life. And it takes us four or five hours to get there. What kind of trust are we building? Now, it's not the officer's fault. He had to run 15 robbery calls before that time. But if we don't get there quickly and we don't provide the service that's expected of us, we just missed an opportunity to bridge the gap and to build trust. Because all that person is going to remember is that police officer took four hours to get to my house on the worst day of my life. Yeah, I know. I had someone try to uh, steal my car uh, in 2020. And uh, when they couldn't steal the car, they just destroyed the dash instead. And uh, I remember feeling so violated. <laughs> Called my police officer friend. He's like, yeah, uh, nobody's going to come. Just, just get the report and file the insurance claim. <laughs> I remember feeling how rough that was. I can imagine if there was a home invasion or worse, it would be like a thousand times worse of a feeling. But uh, that's the way it goes with shortages. Adrian? Yeah. You know, I, was, I had a question about the fact that you were talking earlier about the fact that nobody is signing up to become a police officer right now. I actually have a friend right now who is, uh, he just turned 18, he'll be 19 soon, and he wants to be a police officer, and everybody is telling him, you know, dude, what, what are you thinking, man? This is a, that's a terrible idea. You're gonna, people are gonna hate you. He's, he's white, and so that's another thing against him. They're like, oh my goodness, dude, you're gonna, anytime you do anything, it's gonna be over for you. So what, what could you tell someone who ha wants to, who's a good person, who has this idea of nobility that I want to uh, stand up and and do something that's uh, beneficial to my to my neighborhood, to my community, uh, but they are afraid to to try to jump into this situation. 
You know, I, I never want to tell anyone who's interested in a life of service and interested in serving their community not to. But what the advice that I would give to your friends is you need to think very long and hard that you want to be in this profession. It is an extremely rewarding profession where you get to help people. You get to make a difference in people's lives literally every single day. But you need to ask yourself if you're willing to take the slings and arrows that are going to come with it. Because there is going to be a police officer who may or may not have done something wrong on the other side of the country. And people are going to hold you accountable for that. People are going to yell at you. They're going to curse at you. They're going to spit at you. They're going to say the worst things imaginable that you couldn't even think someone would say to you. All of that is going to happen because you made a choice to serve your community. So I, I would just encourage young people, if you're interested in a life of service and becoming a police officer, you need to think long and hard and you need to pray on it as well. Well, let me ask you this. And so there's a police shortage and a crisis that we're all facing. Is there a risk here of police departments, police academies lowering their bar to increase the number? Because I've always felt uh, that I see police officers in a similar vein that I see uh, Catholic priests, for instance. And we all know we've had some issues with Catholic priest scandals in the last several decades. It's been a real, real problem. And uh, and part of that issue is in the seminaries, we've lowered the bar. We've let men in, had no business being in there, and they've uh, wreaked havoc as a result. Is that the case for the police department? Because, you know, the difference between me having a bad day and a police officer having a bad day is the police officer has a gun and a badge. And, uh, and that changes the dynamic a, a quite a bit. So is there a risk of lowering this bar and, uh, you know, making this uh, the, the pool of quality officers a lot less? What say you, Officer Joe Gamaldi? Oh, no, I mean, great question. Um, it's already happening. It's not, it's not some uh, far off future thing that we have to worry about. We are already seeing departments lowering standards for, for drug use. We've already seen departments lowering standards for previous criminal activity. So we've already begun the process of lowering standards of the people that we're willing to hire. And as I said earlier, you know, when you start to hire people that aren't meeting the standards that you have laid out, it's ultimately going to be a recipe for disaster later on down the road. So at a time where everyone's screaming for us to build trust with the community, and rightfully so, we should have a close relationship with the community. You're hiring people that, are, that could possibly do the exact opposite of it. Yeah. But, you know, that's where we find ourselves in 2022. That's not warm and fuzzy. <laughs> that's, that's an extra layer of difficulty. And then let's just add one more. I don't more. sugarcoat things. Uh, yeah, praise be to God. One more, there's one more layer to this, too. We have a, a border that's about to open, blow open wide here, and there's a lot of uh, anxiety over how many more hundreds of thousands will come across that. You talk about following the rule of law, but what if we live in a society where they don't want to follow the rule of law? Well, I, I will tell you this. You know, as a police officer, we see it every single day. There is no doubt in my mind that we need to secure our southern border. We cannot have people continuing to come over uh, illegally with no obstacles in place. You know, for, for as, and, and don't get me wrong. I know that there are extremely good people 
family people who are trying to get to the United States for a better life, Amen. but they have to do it the proper way. It's not fair to the people who are going through the legal process the right way, who are waiting their turn and spending the necessary money. And of course, we need to revamp that process so that people can get through it easier without having to spend so much money and can do it the legal way. But we cannot continue to have people pouring over this border who we don't know who they are because there are criminals amongst them and they're coming to our urban communities and they're continuing to commit crimes. There are also people who are trafficking people over the border and doing horrific things to them. So we need to get a handle on that. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Well, Joe Gamali, we're very grateful for your time today. National vice president of the fraternal order of police, not an easy subject and uh, not a lot of bright news there, but truth does matter. Joe Gamaldi, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for your service. We appreciate it to all our officer friends and first responders. God love you all. Thank you for you you uh, serving us today. We're going to be praying for you. And that is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. Thank you for being on our program this week. We enjoyed having you all here, hanging out with us if you can and are able. Hang out with us in the next hour. We would love to have you. In fact, we're going to give out prizes in the next hour during our Fear and Trembling Game Show. You could win, but you have to be the caller at the correct time. I'll tell you all about that when we start that off. You can hang out with us on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. And we'll see you next week during Passion Week. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. place in my life and I'm energized by new adventures I've got friends to laugh with and a good relationship but even though I'm kind of comfortable I sometimes wonder is there something more could God in church be what you're looking for come and see at catholicscomehome.com Obedience is the second temptation of the devil for Jesus in the wilderness. The evil one showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. Then he said to Jesus, I shall give to you all this power and their glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. But Jesus again quotes from Deuteronomy and says, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Unlike the Israelites who gave in to the false worship of the golden calf when they grew impatient of Moses up on Mount Sinai, Jesus stays firm and loyal to the first commandment of the law, to not worship false gods or idols, and to remain obedient to God his Father alone. Let us reflect on any false gods, idols, or priorities in our lives during this holy season of Lent. 
This is Matt Maloney from knowthefaith.net. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Friday, and your weekend is upon you. You have survived the week. It's going to be a great weekend. Ooh, Palm Sunday is this Sunday. Can, I mean, it feels like Lent just flew by. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It good always morning, does. Dude. Hey, good morning. Praise be to God. It always does, doesn't it? I mean... No, not always. No. This year, it, is, it felt like that. <laughs> Even in spite of not having coffee the whole time. Huh. Yeah. It was still like... Poof. We were uh, we were talking during the break that you need a big, big red pill the size of uh, I don't know like a steak, sixteen ounce steak, Ooh. and then crack it open and it's That's full an... of coffee. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I'm gonna have. I got a sixty four ounce Bucky's cup uh, oh, that is just man. going to be filled to the brim of juicy, awesome, Joe. Deli- can you smell it? You better pace yourself, buddy. You're going to have an anxiety attack. Coffee. Your heart's going to be racing. I'm going to put my secret formula in there, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to... What, 89 octane? So you know what I do? 91? You know what I do. <laughs> so I like I like a thick, rich, dark co- coffee, and then uh, I got my secret formula that I include, and so then I take that cup. This is all before mass starts, right? And I don't drink it because, you know, got to wait till after mass. Right. And then I put, the I put that into a uh, uh, cooler bag. I wrap it in towels and then seal the bag. And that's sitting in my car. So after mass, you I crack come out, the bag open and it and has a nice hermetic hot. hiss. Yeah, and, and, it's, it's like, and it's hot still. It's fresh and hot. Wow. Spot on. And it's better than the coffee you get at the church. You know what? Black coffee doesn't break the fast. I don't Wait, know. You're, you're let's ask. Does. Let's ask somebody about Adrian Fonseca. Good morning on the ones and twos. What say you, sir? Does coffee, black coffee, break the fast? I would say yes, and uh, the reason why. Well, so I mean, obviously, you only need to fast one hour. So I mean, come on. Yeah. If you can't, I, I, yeah, I anyway, could do but that. I could, the, uh, yes. if we're doing the midnight fast, traditionally speaking, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. only thing uh, that you could have is medicine. And that's about it. Well, if coffee you, is if you're sick, no. If you're yes. if you're I'm needed dosing. for life, I'm dosing. Did you say uh, tea and coffee doesn't break the fast? And coffee definitely breaks the fast if you put cream in it. If you put cream in it, no. It's but either way, it's still does still, it. Yeah, it's just it's it just would because water because water, water would break the fast. Water runs through a filter. Is really all it is. Traditionally speaking, uh, so I guess it depends on which law you're following, right? <laughs> if you're following the new law, then you can have water. 
and uh, in it's medicine. water filtered by beans. But yes. yeah, that's but that's, all it that's, is. that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. <laughs> but uh, traditionally, you could you couldn't even have water. Uh, there yeah. were stories of people who would uh, like swallow their like they would uh, brush their teeth and they accidentally swallowed some of their toothpaste and they'd be like, "Oh, I can't receive communion." Oh man! So there was uh, it was yeah it was pretty uh, it was right. it used to be pretty intense. Well, anyway, either way, however you fall on that issue, before or after mass, I wait till after mass, but I'll be waiting real. Real anxious this Sunday. At the edge of your seat. <laughs> the, uh, the, a week from Sunday. <laughs> a week from Sunday. I'm not there yet. At any rate, hey, before I forget, uh, did you know that Father Donald Calloway is coming to our South and Central Texas market at the Guadalupe Radio Network's Fishers of Men event? It's coming up Thursday, April the 28th, 7 o'clock there. It's going to be a great event. And uh, Father Donald Calloway, fantastic priest, is going to give a powerful presentation and we would encourage you to check that out if you live anywhere near the South and Central Texas area. If you don't, well, don't worry. You'll probably have one in your neck of the woods sometime soon as well. But you can go onto the website, grnonline.com. Check out the events link at the top of the page, and you can see Fishers of Men there. You'll click that, and you will find the details for this upcoming event. And if you're going to get like a whole table for your friends and your family, if I'm not mistaken, you got to hurry because they're cutting that off pretty soon. So check it out online. Father Calloway at the Fishers of Men event in South and Central Texas. Go to grnonline.com uh, for the details. All right. Can I thank Tim Hanavan and Dave Palmer and Mary Hobleib? God love you guys, Tim, Dave, and Mary today, offering up their day of prayer, fasting, and penance for our Lenten campaign intentions. We're so grateful to the three of you for taking today and doing that. God love you all. And uh, we're going to be jumping into a great hour. We have our game show, Fear and Trembling, coming up at 15 past. And today's the day we give out prizes, and you could win. So if you would like to win the prize today, well, you have to, or at least try, because, you know, it, it's a, we pull the name out of the cup. Uh, you're going to have to be the caller either when I give you the number, or you can hedge your bet, get the number on our website, and you could call that way and just sit on hold. Your choice the website's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But let's pray. Let's jump in. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar, amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your good news, Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's a good news story for you today. This is coming from the Epic Times. Mom asks the Internet to finish Late Son's last composition. After her 12-year-old son died suddenly in a freak accident, an Australian mom of two found his exercise book with an unfinished composition in a bag by his favorite spot, the piano. With the help of the internet, mom Amanda Briarley from Queensland had the song finished and performed by individual musicians and orchestras around the world in memory of her son. 12-year-old Kean died on January 31st, running errands with his father and his little sister, Lauren. On the way back, he was sitting in the car reading a book. He got out to open the gate, Amanda said. We think that he misjudged when to close the gate and got stuck between the gate and a car trailer. Amanda's husband and neighbors performed frantic CPR, but after an hour, a doctor delivered the devastating news that Kean was gone. The family knew that Kean wanted to write music, but didn't know he had already begun. Amanda's first impulse was to share her, son, her son's song in hopes that someone could play it for her. 
I'd never heard it, she explained. I wrote a post on Facebook just to my friends. And then about 15 minutes later, my first friend actually submitted a rendition. It was just incredible to hear what Kian had written. Wanting to hear more versions of the half-written song, Amanda made her post public and asked the world for help. Submissions flooded in, and among them were versions of Kian's song performed by celebrated musicians and esteemed orchestras. I just thought, okay, I'm going to try my luck, Amanda, Amanda said. To my surprise, most of the orchestras I gave them uh, gave a submission to made their own arrangements and played it. It was incredible. With every single submission came a chance for Kean's family to imagine what the finished piece might have been. Amanda laments not recording her son playing the songs he knew. She thought they had plenty of time, yet the kindness of strangers in bringing his own song to life has been humbling. Every submission I hear, I have completely opposite and contrasting feelings, she reflected. I guess that's how it will be. We'll never get Kean back, but we'll always have his music. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Julie Bollard. She was born on July 12, 1751, born in Seville, France, into a family of well-to-do farmers. Young Marie-Rosa Julie Bollard showed an early interest in religion and in helping the sick and the poor. Though, through, though the first years of her life were relatively peaceful and uncomplicated, Julie had to take up manual labor as a young teen when her family lost its money. However, she spent her spare time teaching catechism to young people and to the farm laborers. A mysterious illness overtook her when she was about 30 years old, and witnessing an attempt to wound or even kill her father, Julie was paralyzed and became a complete invalid. For the next two decades, she continued to teach catechism lessons from her bed, offering spiritual advice and attracted visitors who had heard of her holiness. When the French Revolution broke out in 1789, revolutionary forces became aware of her allegiance to fugitive priests. With the help of friends, she was smuggled out of Seville in a hay cart. She then spent several years hiding in Compiègne, being moved from house to house despite her growing physical pain. She even lost the power of speech for a time. But this period also proved to be fruitful spiritual time for Julie. It was at this time that she had visions in which she saw Calvary surrounded by women in religious habits and heard a voice saying, Behold these spiritual daughters whom I give you in an institute marked by the cross. As time passed and Julie continued her mobile life, she made the acquaintance of an aristocratic woman, Francois Blinde de Bourbon, who, sh who shared Julie's interest in teaching the faith. In 1803, the two women began the Institute of Notre Dame, which was dedicated to the education of the poor young Christian girls and the training of catechists. The following year, the first sisters of Notre Dame made their vows. That was the same year that Julie recovered from her illness. She was able to walk for the first time in 22 years. Though Julie had always been attentive to the special needs of the poor and that always remained her priority, she also became aware that other classes in society needed Christian instruction. From the founding of the Sisters of Notre Dame until her death, Julie was on the road opening a variety of schools in France and Belgium that served the poor and the wealthy, vocational groups and teachers. Ultimately, Julie and, Julie and Francois moved into the mother house to Namar, Belgium. Julie died there on April 8, 1816 and was canonized in 1969. St. Julie Bollard, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. 
The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 10, verses 31 through 42. The Jews picked up rocks to stone Jesus. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from my Father. For which of these are you trying to stone me? The Jews answered him, We are not stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy. You, a man, are making yourself God. Jesus answered them, it is, not, is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If it calls them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, can you say that the one whom the Father has consecrated and sent into the world blasphemes because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not perform my Father's works, do not believe me. But if I perform them, even if you do not believe me, Believe the works, so that you may realize and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Then they tried again to arrest him, but he escaped from their power. He went back across the Jordan to the place where John first baptized, and there he remained. Many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but everything John said about this man was true. And many there began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine would say to lay hold of him, not by faith and the understanding, but with bloodthirsty violence. Yikes, close quote, St. Augustine. Imagine that. Do we want to lay hold of him? And if so, what are our intentions? They better be the right ones. Theophilicate would say, mystically, Christ departs from Jerusalem. In other words, he, he departs from the Jewish people and goes to a place where a spring of water, i.e. to the Gentile church that hath the waters of baptism, and many res uh, resort unto him, passing over the Jordan, i.e. through baptism. So Theophilicate looks at this passage as a wonderful insight into our Lord, you know, confronting the Jews who refuse to believe in him and then go to the Gentiles in order to bring them into the body of Christ, into the church, the new Israel, through the sacrament of baptism, which is necessary. Adrian, what did you find? Uh, Cornelius Lapide says that the, they, held the stir, they held in their hands hard as stones, as St. Augustine says, they rushed to the stones. Mystically, says St. Hilary, and now also heretics hurl the stones of their words to cast down, if they can, Christ from his throne, inspired, no doubt, by Lucifer, who aimed at obtaining this throne of Godhead and therefore grudged it to Christ and is active in taking it away by means of heretics. What does this mean? Well, this goes back to what I was saying a couple days ago about the activity of the demonic. The activity of the demonic does not need to, there does not need to be some grand conspiracy where these people are having some people get together in these dark rooms and applauding the destruction of Christendom. No, instead, we all that has to happen is that somebody with a hardened heart needs to allow themselves to be swayed by Satan, by Lucifer himself. And when this happens, well, Lucifer 
being a powerful angel, being able to move across the world, being able to have lived and witnessed all of humanity for a long time. He recognizes which heresies work, which heresies do not, which heresies cause more damage to which people. And he brings those up over and over again. That's why you see the same heresies popping up over and over again throughout history. And he coordinates these people across the world to bring about the destruction of Christendom. And right now it seems like he's succeeding, but in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph, says Our Lady of Fatima. So let us pray, do penance, and look forward to the reign of Mary. Amen. Praise be to God. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back and play our game show, Fear and Trembling. If you would like to be a contestant, now is the time. The phone lines are open, and Rudy Carlos is waiting to take your call at 877-757-9424. If you didn't get on yesterday, call right now, 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Don't go anywhere. Count the drive time. I'll be right back. And fear and trembling and prizes are all coming up next. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and tell nobody what I'm about to tell you, all right? You got to keep this just between us. It's our little secret. 
But there are a few things we like to do on the program. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you're going to learn something you did not know before about your Catholic faith. Praise be to God. And then we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers are literally, literally the best. They laugh with us. They are great sports. And we enjoy that most. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everybody involved. Praise be to God. But if you're new here, for your sake, I shall explain. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but we will not be asking our caller these questions. They do not need to know the answers to these questions. They could still win without knowing. And that's because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. The caller then will have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy? Praise be to God. We have a return sponsor this week, Rugged Rosaries. Rugged Rosaries provides the spiritual strength of a traditional rosary with the proven strength of paracord. Love it. Their experienced artisans prayerfully and thoughtfully create your new rosary right in their Texas studio, which happens to be in Houston. They're uh, they're among us. These strong, unbreakable rosaries are handmade using only the finest materials, unlike many copycat brands now on the market. They are generously sponsoring our game show with a rosary. So if you win today, Uh and today's the day we draw the prize, today's that day. you better be praying this thing every single day as Our Lady commanded. And here's the kicker. If you don't win today, you better be doing it anyway, because Our Lady asked us. And if you want to retain your scapular card, Mm -hmm. brown scapular card, you better be praying it every day. There you go again with a card that I never received. (laughs) It's made out of wool. I'm not part of the cool club, apparently. You get two cards, front and back. Okay. Well, I got that anyway. With a string. Uh, But All right, let's go to the phones. Praise be to God. Thank you, Rugged Rosary, for your generous gift today, allowing us to give cool stuff to our listeners. We appreciate that greatly. Uh, Al Smith, our great friend from the great white north. Good morning to you, Al. Good morning, Joe. It's great to be on the network again, but this time as a contestant. So I'm looking forward to winning that rosary. Our friend Alan Smith, he is uh, one of the great supporters of Archbishop Fulton Sheen. He's on the board of his cause and has written or has edited many books with Sophie Institute Press on uh, Fulton Sheen's works. And we're so glad to have you on today as a contestant. Now, tell me, uh, three, four inches uh, or three, four feet of snow in Canada right now? Uh, Three... Uh, inches in some areas, but yeah, I knew it's officially. You have house. snow all year long up there. How does that work? Uh, ten months of the year in some areas. <laughs> ten and, months. Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, but pray for God. Six in my area. So all right. Well, cool. You know the rules, though. You're you're very familiar. You know how this works, right? Yes, I do. And if you had an opinion, out of all of either between Rudy or Adrian, who is the trickiest? Um, it's got to be Rudy. Got to um, be. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Is it yeah, the innocent um, looking face? It's the puppy dog eyes. That, I mean, it's just something, there's something hidden, quite <laughs> sneaky underneath all of that facade, would you say, Alan Smith? Um, listen, he, he, he just, um, he's just too honest. Oh, he's, just, he's got integrity, you know, you're saying. Quite, <laughs> I he's see. Got integrity. I he see. Does. But, you know, <laughs> guilt comes out very quickly in his face. Looks <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to play. Now, uh, if lucky for you, it's like all easy question Friday. So this is going to be just batting practice for you, Alan. So let's get started. We'll start with Rudy as uh, is our custom, our tradition, our patrimony here on the show. 
<laughs> Good morning to you, Tricky Rudy. Tricky Rudy. Yep. <laughs> I've been called that before. Innocent eyes, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Innocent uh-huh. as a dove. As a dove. You know what the you know what the uh, the uh, doves say, right? What do they say? <laughs> <laughs> That's bizarre. All right, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Praise be to God. Are you sure? Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, all right, all right. Hey, are you sure? <laughs> yes, Buzz. Okay, you know, let's yeah. do this. The name for me, the sacrament by which men become bishops and priests. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's known as incarnation. 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 That's a fancy. Is that a canonical thing? Or it is. Incarnation. You're you're a wise guy. You, you wow. got it. It is a yeah. canonical thing. Yep. All right. Well, let's just. Uh, I don't know, Alan. Let's get a second opinion on this. Uh, just call Joe a wise guy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Hey, Adrian. Forgot my name again. Yeah. We. I got thrown off. Okay. I got thrown off. Uh, hello, Adrian. Hello. Can you answer for me, or can you give me the name of the sacrament by which men become bishops and priests, please? Right. Okay. Yeah, that would be holy orders. Holy orders. Mm-hmm. Is that? That doesn't sound canonical or can I can in law like? Mm. Sounds made up, right? No, I don't know about made up. But... All right, not as fancy anyway. All right, uh, Alan Smith. Here's the deal. Uh, the name of the sacrament is it holy orders, as Adrian seems to think. Or is it incarnation, as Rudy seems to think? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Alan Smith, what say you? Well, I, I did a book with Bishop Sheen's Book of Sacraments, and so it's the answer is Holy Orders. So I have to say Adrian. You have to say Adrian. <laughs> Masterfully said there, sir. I mean, when you have to admit Adrian is right in public, then you, you kind of got to do it in a certain <laughs> way. And you you mastered no, that. Well done. You're in the cup. You could win. Praise be to God. So uh, let's just play the other two just for fun. Um, this one may be the heart. No, this is this is easy. This is, you got this. We're going to go to Adrian with this. That's me. We're making advances. Sure. We're making advances here. All right. Um, Adrian, can you tell me? Mm, yes. The Coptic language. You're mm-hmm. a linguist. I know you know this. Right. Totally. The Coptic. I mean, you did take classes in communication in college, so you're right. totally mm-hmm. a linguist. The Coptic language, as in the Coptic Church, is what country does that belong to? What language does that belong? What country does that language belong to? Oh yeah, yes, yes. It's one of the many languages that's mm-hmm. spoken in Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Hey, Rudy. Can you tell me the Coptic language, as in the Coptic Church, was the language of which country? Coptic. Okay. So this country. Is famous for people who look to the look to the left. <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> and then look to the right yeah. in their depictions yeah. on the walls of yeah. hieroglyphics. Egypt. Egypt. Yeah, it's Egypt. I see where you're going. That yeah. left-right thing. The yeah. hand. The uh, walk like an Egyptian thing. That's going cool. down there. Exactly. Okay. You got All it. All right. So, uh, Alan Smith, is it as Rudy says Egypt, or is it as Adrian says Ethiopia? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Alan Smith. What say you? Well, because I'm a friend of Jesus, and I talked to Jesus, he spent a few years in Egypt, so he says, go with Egypt. Go so with I Egypt. To... So you're, gonna, you're going with Rudy, then. Congratulations. So you're a prophet. Yeah, praise be to God. Although there are Coptics in Ethiopia, so That's it, true. it was a bit tricky. Though he did say what, what country is a language of the country. Yeah, yeah, so Egypt is correct. All right, I'm going to say this last question could be the hardest of all. We're going to have to hurry a little bit now because we still got to pull a winner. 
We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me where is the priest's left hand when he blesses himself with the right hand? Okay, he's blessing himself, left hand pointing up to the sky, saying he's up there. Is that what that means? Yep. So every time I see a football player do that, yeah, that's he just means he's up there. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> uh, Adrian, could you tell me? Probably. Where is the priest's left hand? Not when, his right. When, yeah. When, where is his left hand when he's blessing himself with the right hand? Okay. Well, his right hand is extended to okay. do the blessing. Okay. His left hand goes on his breast. On his own breast. On his own breast. Okay, Not someone it. else's. That'd be weird. Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah. Awfully awkward. Okay. So, his on his breast, you say. So, uh, Alan Smith, Adrian says his left hand would be on his own breast versus Rudy says it's a finger pointing up saying he's he's up there somehow. Um, 15 seconds on the clock. <laughs> who is right? Who is wrong? Alan Smith, what say you? Well, it all depends what kind of mass you go to. So, you kind of don't know. But I think I'll go with the church's position and go with Adrian. His hands on his breast. Are you suggesting that, that going with Adrian, Adrian is the church's position? Is the church's position? What? <laughs> so true. Right, so I, true. I, I, shuffle. Congratulations. Yes, of course. We tried to make that tricky, but you didn't fall for it, Alan. You did great. Congratulations. You're in for three, oh, man, the music's but we're running right. out of time. Oh, no. We're going to pull the winner. We don't know if All it's right. you, Alan. We'll have to see. All right. It's Jeff and Anna Grace. Jeff and Anna, congratulations. Congrats. Alan, I'm sorry you didn't win, but you were a lot of fun. Thanks for playing. All right. Well, well, we got, I'm releasing a new book this summer. I'll be back on the show. Yeah, we'd love to have you. Praise be to God. Check out Alan's books. Look for Fulton Sheen on Sophia Institute Press's website. I think it's sophiainstitute.com, if I'm not mistaken. Just search for Fulton Sheen. You're going to find a great set of books that are edited by Alan Smith, and we love them, and we'll definitely have you back when you get the new book out. God bless you, Alan. Have a great weekend, and if I don't talk to you sooner, happy Easter to you. That's going to do it for the radio side of our show. God bless you. God love you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here or hang out with us in the after show. Until then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Friday of the fifth week of Lent. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio Network. Attende Domine et miserere, quia peccavimus tibi. 
Ate Rexume Omnium Redemptor O colos nostros sublevamus flentes Exaudi Christe supplicantum preces Attende Domine et miserere Quia peccavimus tibi. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty God, God and, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Pardon the offenses of your people, we pray, O Lord, and in your goodness set us free from the bonds of the sins we have committed in our weakness. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. I hear the whisperings of many, terror on every side. Denounce, let us denounce him. All those who were my friends are on the watch for any misstep of mine. Perhaps he will be trapped, then we can prevail and take our vengeance on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty champion. My persecutors will stumble, they will not triumph. In their failure, they will be put to utter shame, to lasting, unforgettable confusion. O Lord of hosts, you who test the just, who probe mind and heart, let me witness the vengeance you take on them, for to you I have entrusted my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has rescued the life of the poor from the power of the wicked. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In my distress I called upon the Lord, and he heard my voice. In my distress I called upon the Lord, and he heard my voice. I love you, O Lord, my strength. O Lord, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. In my distress I called upon the Lord, and he heard my voice. My God, my rock of refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, 
my stronghold. Praised be the Lord, I exclaim, and I am safe from my enemies. In my distress I called upon the Lord, and he heard my voice. The breakers of death surged round about me. The destroying floods overwhelmed me. The cords of the netherworld enmeshed me. The snares of death overtook me. In my distress I called upon the Lord, and he heard my voice. In my distress I called upon the Lord, and cried out to my God. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. In my distress I called upon the Lord, and he heard my voice. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. You have the words of everlasting life. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. The Jews picked up rocks to stone Jesus. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from my Father. For which of these are you trying to stone me? The Jews answered him, We are not stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy. You, a man, are making yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If it calls them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, can you say that the one whom the Father has consecrated and sent into the world blasphemes, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not perform my Father's works, do not believe me. But if I perform them, even if you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may realize and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Then they tried again to arrest him, but he escaped from their power. He went back across the Jordan to the place where John first baptized, and there he remained. Many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but everything John said about this man was true. And many there began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This week, as we've been reading from the 8th and the 10th chapter of John, we see really uh, competing claims of identity between Jesus and the Pharisees. It's really a question to say who is integral and authentic in what they claim for their identity. On the one hand, you have the Pharisees who came, claim to be from the lineage of the prophets, descendants from Abraham. And Jesus points out that if Abraham were truly their father, and they were in the lineage of the prophets, then they would recognize the words that Jesus speaks and would follow them. But rather with the Pharisees, we see kind of a lack of integrity uh, from what they say and what they do. On the one hand, we know that they are well known for tying up very heavy burdens upon the people without 
doing anything to assist the people in carrying those burdens. And we also know that we are told that they perform good works, but not always with the best of intentions, but rather intentions to be praised or intentions out of their own pride. In contrast to the Pharisees, we have Jesus who makes the identity claim that he is the Son of God and thereby stakes a claim of equality with God. But in the case of Jesus, of course, his every word and his every action manifests that he is perfectly integral and what he says is in fact true. And of course, we know this will culminate and reach its high point next week in the Paschal Mystery when Jesus will be crucified but ultimately be glorified in his resurrection from the dead and definitively proclaim that he truly is the Lord of life, that he truly is the Son of the Father. And so in Jesus we see this perfect unity, this perfect integrity of what he says, of who he claims to be, and what his identity in fact is. For us too in today's gospel, Jesus points out a line from the Psalms when it says, I said you are gods, small g, if it calls them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside. It's a reminder for us that in God calling us to be his adopted children, to be his beloved adopted sons and daughters, by allowing us to become members of his family, he is allowing us to share in his life, and he's elevating us, you could say, to be able to participate in his divine life, to be able to share in his love and communion. And so the qu same question of identity and integrity of identity is something that is posed to us, to be able to say, are my words, are my thoughts, are my deeds and actions, are they consonant with my identity of being a beloved son or daughter of the Father. And of course we know exactly what that's supposed to look like because Jesus Christ is the one true Son and therefore the more that we're able to conform our lives to Him the more we manifest that we too truly are the adopted sons and daughters of God the Father. And so my brothers and sisters as we go forward today and as we approach Holy Week let us ask God for the grace that we would truly manifest an integral identity of, of who we are, of our claim to be the adopted sons and daughters indeed of the gift that we have been given in baptism. And let us ask for the grace that our thoughts, words, and deeds would always be consonant with our identity and that they would always manifest that we are disciples of Jesus, that we strive to imitate our Lord, the one true Son of the Father, and that we truly manifest that we are the adopted children of God the Father. Amen. As the solemnity of Easter approaches, dear friends, let our prayer to the Lord be all the more insistent that all of us and the whole multitude of the baptized together with the entire world, may come to share more abundantly in this sacred mystery. That God may be pleased to increase faith and understanding in the catechumens who are to be initiated by holy baptism in the coming Paschal Solemnity, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That peoples in need may find help, and that peace and security may be firmly established everywhere, 
Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That all who are afflicted or suffering temptation may be strengthened by his grace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That all of us may learn to distribute the fruits of self-denial for the good of those in need. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We continue to pray for the people of Ukraine. We continue to pray for peace in the conflict there. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all those joining us online, for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayer, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Take up your cross, the Savior said, if you would my disciple be. Deny yourself, the world forsake, and humbly follow after me. Take up your cross, let not its weight fill your weak spirit with alarm. His strength shall bear your spirit up, shall brace your heart and nerve your arm. Take up your cross, then in his strength, and every danger calmly brave, to guide you to a better home, and victory over death and grave. Take up your cross and follow Christ, nor think till death to lay it down, for only he who bears the cross may hope to wear the glorious crown. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Grant, O merciful God, that we may be worthy to serve ever fittingly at your altars, and there to be saved by constant participation through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, for through the saving passion of your Son, the whole world has received a heart to confess the infinite power of your majesty. Since by the wondrous power of the cross, your judgment on the world is now revealed, and the authority of Christ crucified, 
And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks, as in exaltation we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abahot, Plenis et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, in giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. 
Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, 
and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Panis angelicus, fit panis hominum, dat panis celicus, figuris terminum. O res mirabilis, Manducat Dominum, Pauper Servus et Humilis. Tetrina Deitas, Unaque Poshimus, Seek nos to visita, seek ute colimus. Per tua semitas, duc nos quotendimus, Ad lucem in habitas. Amen. Let us pray. May the unfailing protection of the sacrifice we have received never leave us, O Lord, and may it always drive far from us all that would do us harm, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that your servants who seek the grace of your protection may be free from every evil and serve you in peace of mind, through Christ our Lord. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Master came to bring good news, the news of love and freedom, to heal the sick and seek the poor, to build the peaceful kingdom. Father, forgive us, through Jesus hear us, as we forgive one another. Through Jesus Christ, the laws fulfilled, the man The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, 
by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Is a 